Welcome back to another episode of Persuasion by the Pint. I'm Jonathan Taylor, along with Sean McCool. Sean, we got a lot of stuff. I mean, you, you're just going to like, you got a smorgish, <laughs> what I call a smorgasbord of yeah. uh, things to talk about today. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about, oh, by the way, Happy Veterans Day. That's today. right. Oh, yeah. Is that today or tomorrow? I can't. It's observed today. It's actually tomorrow. So I, yeah, I don't okay. know. Like why you need two days, but as a government need to be off for a day. So that's why it's observed on Friday. Oh, that's true. That's I think true. the actual Veterans Day is that's on right. Saturday. They need a three-day weekend for sure. Yeah, exactly. They don't get enough <laughs> time off. That's one thing I do miss about the military. But, get a lot of days off. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there was like a holiday. I mean, it was a, you could guarantee, you're guaranteed a holiday every month. Well, we had what? After you were there for a little while, you had 30 days leave a year. Yeah, something like absolutely. That. Pretty yeah. good stuff. Miss those days. Uh, yeah. Um, nice. Yeah. So we're going to talk about email. Uh, I had a, I, some, a little trick about email that I'd, I'd kind of just forgotten. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bill Mueller's email today, our friend Bill reminded yeah. me of it. So we'll, we'll talk about that little technique and hack that I think most people forget about based on the emails I read. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll talk a little bit about single option aversion. We'll talk about hoteling's model of spatial competition. I mean, this is this edge of your seat stuff right here. Uh, we'll talk about um, how small brands can benefit from large brands, mm. how you can play off of that. And then we'll talk about the seven parts of decision-making. Did you know there's seven steps a person needs to go through to make a decision? Really? Yeah. Um, then I must be missing something. Yeah, a little bit more involved than most marketers probably realize. So, and we got some cool stats on how to increase sales and things like that, um, that I dug around for, took me about an hour to find based on a Instagram video I saw. And I was like, is that true? Is that really true? And I dug and I dug and I finally found where I think the the idea came from. Mm -hmm. Um, so we'll talk about that. But See, first, that's, that's the kind of in-depth research you get on this yeah. show. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, once a quarter we go deep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, we just cover everything and we, yeah, I mean, well, you know, it was just like a riddle that I needed the answer to, yeah. you know, that, cause they didn't quote a source or anything. And there's a lot of comments like, Oh, that's cool. And like, and I'm like, Where's the proof? I need yeah, some proof. That's right. I had to go find it myself. My co- the copywriter side of me he kicked in, and I was put like, on "Your yeah, your investigation, your research hat." Yeah, you went to work on it, and all right, Here we are. We're going to be revealing it. So, well, uh, what beverage do you have over there? Yeah, I mean that's it about the only like contribution I have, Sean. Today is just bringing a get a book cover. That you're going to talk about? <laughs> I, get I get a book cover and a beer. <laughs> Awesome. That, that, that'll, that'll do. Uh, um, yeah. So this one is, uh, I'm excited. This one's from, you know, we've had some of these boulevards. So I'm going to pull up the, um, let me show this real quick. The Boulevard Brewing Company. Uh, I really love these. Um, they've got these, uh, these series, the bourbon, uh, these bourbon barrel series. So I've had going up to the top, we've had the, um, the uh let's see the whiskey i think we had the whiskey barrel stout on here before i know we've had the i've had the more s'more uh the churro the churro grande 
Hmm. And then the proper poor. I, I do remember that one. So today, this one is called a, um, a arrested reserve. Okay. Uh, rested reserve. It is a double aged weeded imperial stout aged for over a year in both weeded bourbon barrels and a 12 year rye uh, in 12 year rye whiskey barrels. Uh, It's here just in time for the season of sharing and sharing is caring. Uh, 12% ABV. So Sean, I am so glad that you brought the content today uh, on the show. All right. I did not realize that uh, it was 12%. I'm just finding well, that I mean, out. Anytime <laughs> <didn't get laughs> it says has the word imperial. Could you try again? Uh, okay. Siri needs to shut up over here. All right. There it we go. It's like Mr. Siri. Yeah, really. I'm not sure where the male voice came from. You know, I did the update uh, last uh, week, Sean, to the new iOS. Yeah. So I don't know if that, that changed. <laughs> it's, he's Who now a male. There, I guess. <laughs> Everybody's changing, right? <laughs> Probably sponsored by Bud Light. So. Exactly. <laughs> well, we should talk about that too. About um, did you see Dana's Dana White's press conference on? Oh Bud Light? yeah, because didn't he? Is he had some backlash on the? Thing? You know, he had a little backlash. Yeah. Okay. A little bit. <laughs> yeah, I'd be interested to uh, know his but response. Yeah, yeah, he was just. He's like. He's going to he never really it. gave a reason why, but he, he did not back down one yeah. bit. No, I, I, like, I didn't think so. He's like, I was going to get money from anybody. Like, cause some people were calling him a sellout. Mm-hmm. He's like, every deal's a sellout. That's yeah. the point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I love, I, but I, I thought, and I haven't heard anybody say this, but I, I was thinking as I was watching it, I was like, you know what the great, the line, the spin on it would be. We did this deal to take back the brand. Mm. Give it back to the people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That would have been a good line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like we want to recapture what Bud Light's about. That's why we did this deal. Yeah. Yeah. That would I mean, that would yeah. have sold. Yeah. I think so. So you know, we're, we're trying to we're trying to help we're trying to help them. We're giving yeah, it back want, to the, the people they originally brand. intended it for. Right. I mean. Yes. Yeah. We're here to save this brand. Yeah. So you know. I'll text him after the show and we'll <laughs> talk about it. You should be his right. PR guy, man. I mean, come on. Yeah. So I've got on my end, I have got a, um, from Lone Pint Brewery. I've got an El Cuero Stout. Um, I mean, couldn't find any, it's not on their site, but it's this one here. It's on Instagram. So it's this one here. El Cuero. El Cuero. I don't know what's going on in this can, but it's a white stout. It is uh, 8.2% alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the tagline for for Lone Pint Brewery. Let's see if it's on their thing. Nope, doesn't say here. On the can, it says, um, across the top of the can, it says, now it's okay to drink a lone because it's Lone Pint Brewery. Yeah, right. I get it. So that's very cool. (laughs) Well, it was clever. Clever. Sometimes clever works. Yep. Sometimes it works. works Timing is everything, unlike what I just did. Like the great shot like five seconds after. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, hey, I'm excited, man. Cheers. This is the the time of uh, year that the beers get really good. So... Apparently, this is what white looks like, white stout. 
Um, I saw some, I saw some really good ones that I'm going to probably save until December, Sean, today. I mean, when I was, when I was picking this one out, mm-hmm. you know, the, uh, the peppermint porters and the, um, oh, yeah. some of the, uh, some of the others, you know, I thought, I felt like it was too soon. So I went with, uh, I went with this one. Yeah. I need to find a uh, cranberry stuffing stout or something, right? <laughs> <laughs> Thanksgiving's coming up. That's I'm right. Sure got one. <laughs> Cranberry or, you know, you know, there's, well, there's already a lot of pecan pie. There's uh, Oh, yeah, for sure. We've seen those. Yep. yep. Somebody, needs, somebody needs to do like a sweet potato souffle. Mm-hmm. Stout. Ooh. That would be good. potato souffle stout. <laughs> a little marshmallow, a little cinnamon, a little brown sugar. Yeah, I could see that. I could, could see that. Yeah. Definitely work. So. All right, well, let's jump in. Hey, and for our viewers, anybody that watches, you know, after uh, the three people that watch on YouTube, uh, check out our fancy background that we just put on the show this time. You know? Yeah. Got the little pour in the background going on. Isn't that so, awesome? That's very yeah, cool. It's pretty, it's pretty fancy. Pretty fancy. And that's a free stock image from Unsplash. So, Unsplash. Great place to get pretty good graphics for free. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, StreamYard's coming out. I, it seems like they're always updating things. You, I mean, new features. Mm-hmm. I really like this this platform. Um, yeah, I just wish the main window was a little bigger. Yeah, I do too. Yep. Um, I know there's a way you can do the whiteboard or mm-hmm. the layout thing, but I just haven't played around with it enough to yeah. to really figure it out. But that's the only thing. And I don't love the like. I feel like when we do two people, it's just too close. Like yeah, I, I do too. Yeah, it's just too close up there. And then when you're showing, like, I wish they had like an intermediate or a smaller picture of a company's website, or if you're demonstrating a picture or something, because once you share that, it's like, poof, you know, it goes up. Yeah. I think that's where you can edit the layout now. Yeah. We just haven't played around with it enough, but yeah. Hey, look at there. We got, Oh, they just left. <laughs> you guys still talking about beer and uh, yeah. come back. Okay. Uh, we'll be back in five minutes. <laughs> All right, we got to do a we, quick we rating. Are early, we are starting early today, so it's throwing, <laughs> throwing people off. That's true. That's true. Yeah, so rating, um, I'm going to give mine, it's not great. It's, I don't know, there's no like, you know, set flavor I was expecting. It, it leans a little bit, I don't know what that taste is, but it tastes familiar. I don't know. I, it, I'm just going to give it a three- Three. Three, three. Oh, okay. Kind of middle of the road. Yeah. It's almost got, I can't, can't place that taste. You know, I'm so used to like these, when you see a can like this, I'm used to like, it has very certain flavors. This one doesn't really have that. Yeah. So, Um, I'm probably going to go in that three range. Uh, This one's really strong. A little syrupy. Yeah. A little syrupy. So, uh, you know, uh, I'm going to go about, uh, it's kind of flat too. So, um, I'm probably going to go like a three, one on this one. Okay. So three, one slow day at the office. Yeah. All right. <laughs> happens. All right. Sorry, Boulevard. You can't have, you can't have a five every day. That would, then, that's right. Then nothing would be a five. That's so, right. A little philosophy there for you on the show today. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, you want to show off your little book there before you start drinking your 12%? <laughs> I'll show the back of it. <laughs> All right. So let me, um, 
Uh, yeah, yeah, describe it for our listeners. You know. Okay, so this is this is a this is like an oldie. So I was reading some. Uh, I was on vacation a couple of weeks ago or a few weeks ago at Myrtle Beach, Sean. You know, you can't go on vacation while taking some books, you know. Yeah, you, had, <laughs> yeah you take too many as well. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to read all the time. That's right. You take about, you got like four or five in a bag. Like, oh, yeah, I'll have time. You get, you get three pages or out of one. <laughs> exactly. But you perfectly described. Uh, but I was reading, um, you know, I took uh, Joe Vitale, his um, uh, hypnotic writing. I, oh, yeah. I love that book. And we've talked about it on the show in the past, but uh, he references Mr. fire. Yeah. Mr. Fire. He references this book in that. Okay. And it's called the magic power of emotional appeal, magic power of emotional appeal. Um, and he talked about it. It's a class. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, this book was published back in the sixties. Yeah. So a lot of it's uh, the, the type. And I mean, it's very small print. Um, so it's one of those, uh, one of those books where you, it takes some time to get through um, some good takeaways in it. But well, the thing that caught my eye the most, Sean, is you don't see books like this, um, the layout on the cover like this very often anymore. And what I mean by that is everything is like from a visual standpoint, this is not very attractive. Uh, it's, it's one of the, as Dan Kennedy would have said, it's like the ugly book, like the ugly yes. layout, you know, the ugly layout. Busy. Busy would be another word for it if you know if you're not That's watching right. us online. Exactly, um, but it's it's almost attractive in a certain way. There's a there's a uh, you got to kind of lean in to see what the the text says, right? Yep, that's right. I mean, you can read the magic power of emotional appeal, but then if you want to read the subhead and what's in the box below that, like there's there's probably fifty to seventy five words of copy on that. Yes, cover. And what I love about it is. Um, they use, obviously they use a lot of social proof. If you go through Chidini, they're using a lot of the principles of influence. Um, before course, he wrote his book, by the before way. Before he, exactly. <laughs> but it's using the, uh, obviously. Maybe that's the, where Chidini got it. Maybe so. Maybe so. Um, there's a testimonial on the very front cover, which I use this, you know, I use this in one of my books, the selling on the green book uh, years ago, uh, putting a, um, a quote on the very front. Mm -hmm. um, a testimonial quote. So underneath the title or the subtitle, it, they provide a, um, uh, a quote that says to get through to other people with your personality, your product, or your interest, you have to master the technique of emotional appeal. So notice that they didn't really, <laughs> they didn't really endorse the book whatsoever at all. They just took a, a line. Um, they basically repeated the title almost. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, I mean, so they took this, splashed it right on the on the front, and then they've got this blue box going here that says, wouldn't you like to learn how to, um, uh, and then it says, make others listen to you, rid yourself of money and business worries, get people to remember and like you, secure a better, higher paying job, improve your relations with the opposite sex. I mean, so they're throwing a whole lot of things in there. And they're doing it in the form of a question. And they're, that's really powerful. You know, that's something that you don't see very often on a book cover. You see a lot of, um, you know, typically you'll see a title, subtitle, what you intend to, to get out of it. But rarely do you see them asking questions that kind of uh, generate that, um, you know, that curiosity factor, so to speak. So 
uh, I love that. Um, Dude, I tell you what, you got a deal because I'm looking online here right now at, you know, different copies from different places, eBay, a books, Amazon, they're all going for 150 bucks. Yeah. So I don't know how you got such a good deal. I, I snagged. Yeah. I snagged this for about 30 bucks. It's the uh, paper book copy. Um, the author is a guy named Roy Garn. Um, Roy Garn, never heard of him before I heard about this yeah. on, on, uh, from Joe Vitale. Yeah. It's interesting. There's a lot of other book covers too. Like the original book cover was, was definitely not like that. So it's interesting. So here's, let me blow this up, Sean. So our, so our listeners can, our, uh, our massive audience on the screen can see present. Okay. There you go. Yep. So let's see here. Um, so you can see, oop, there I we like go. the top section too, the proof up there. Yes. The, yeah. I, I noticed that too. $4.95 bestseller selection of six national book clubs. Oh, that's right. That's right. Hmm. That's so, cool. uh, just a lesson when it comes to uh, putting together. Now, I thought of that. This wouldn't work for every book, but if you're doing a book, um, I mean, it looks busy. I mean, most people say, well, that's too busy. Well, I, to me, it's like it, it really builds interest right away. I mean, yeah. uh, one what's thing that like, what's that? A lot of people would put that on the back. Yeah, exactly. What's, what's on the back? More stuff. Um, you know, one thing I might add, Sean, would have been to, and this is like the Ben Settle, Bob Bly version in the copywriting world is to put like, would you like to learn how to? And then for some of these questions, page such as, you know, whatever page, page, you know, 42, page 160, page this, you know, and uh, where they can learn more. So, um, yeah, uh, that would be cool. Yeah. So just a uh, little lesson there. I found it very, uh, very attractive and, and, you know, one of those covers that really generates a lot of curiosity and interest. So it's also primary colors. It's mm-hmm. red and blue and yellow. Yep. yep. You know, so it's, it just really pops. Yeah. Uh, off it the does. Screen. So yep. that's kind of cool. Yep. All right. Well, let's, um, I'll start with a little email hack first. That's a quick, easy win for okay. our listeners in case they're busy and want to go do something else. <laughs> um, they feel like they got their money's worth for the day. <laughs> See, I got an email from Bill Mueller today and, you know, he's telling his story like he always does in the beginning. Right. And right in the middle of the, the email, he put my name in there. Mm-hmm. Ooh. I know that's not a big deal. Yeah. But I so often forget to do that when I'm writing emails for myself or for people mm-hmm. like to put the name field down somewhere in the middle of the email or near the end of the email uh, Yes. to really call the attention because you know you're reading an email and you kind of forget that it's to you you right you know right and it kind of pulls you back in and it it either startles you or makes you feel good or like mm-hmm. it, it was kind of interesting it just had a real big impact yeah um and, and i don't get very many emails where people do that everybody does you know puts it at the beginning of course yeah but it, it's very rare that i see people put the name field anywhere else um you almost don't expect it to, to yeah. see it anywhere else in the, and it just reminds you that it's, it's to you. Sure. Yeah. Even though you know, it's not, it right. just, 
you know, it's, it's, I just, it really made me aware like, Oh, I should be doing that more often. Not every mm-hmm. email, but yeah, certainly more often. I remember back when Infusionsoft, Oh yeah. Keep started. Like they were, they were showing classes on how you could like, you know, send questionnaires to your list and it would collect the data and you could just like, you know, fill in all the different pieces and like mm-hmm. really personalize the emails. Yeah. Nobody does that. No, like nobody's using that. <laughs> right. Um, there was one guy, what was his name? He did the, uh, was it Jerome something? He did learn to play piano by ear or something like that. He had mm-hmm. a huge site mm-hmm. and he would do that. He would, you know, one night when they signed up, he'd find out which instrument cause he ended up doing all kinds of instruments. So he'd mm-hmm. find out what instrument they were, what city right. they were in. And then you would write his emails with all those fields filled in. Right. So that it felt really personal. Yeah. And we have all this technology to capture fields and, and I don't, I mean, I bet one out of a thousand or one out of a hundred thousand people who send emails is, is using that power. Of course. Yeah. I mean, and I don't know why, why not? I mean, that's, it's not like it's just new. It's been around for a long time. I yeah. Mean, but. You know. It's been around pretty much as long as email and, <laughs> yeah. you know, the name field. Yeah. You just have to collect it. But I mean, a lot of that stuff you get with, mm-hmm. especially your buyers, because you, right. you have their city, you have their, you yeah. know, know what product they bought, you yeah. know, their name. But, you know, most of the time you never, we don't do a very good job as copywriters or marketers, mm-hmm. I think, of, of really customizing those emails. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that, that lesson goes back to the, um, I'll go back to the, 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 the lesson from, I think it's from, uh, how to win friends and influence people. It's like the most important word in the English language is a person's own name. Uh, so you should be using it every chance you get. I mean, you don't want to overdo it, uh, obviously in a, in an email, but, um, just understanding that, that, that that's the most important word to that a person that you're writing to or that audience that you're writing to is their own name. Uh, yeah. pay I mean, you don't want to overuse it just like you wouldn't want to in conversation because yeah. then it gets weird. Yeah. Yeah. But every once in a while, you know, especially if you're doing sales presentation every once in a while to um, bring their name to kind of get their attention back. Right. Especially if you're like in a boardroom or something like that and you see somebody wandering, it's a great, great place to use their name and, Yes. Kind of bring them back in, you know? Absolutely. So, so yeah, use, uh, use those, use those custom fields in your emails more mm-hmm. often than mm-hmm. just the beginning. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <is> the point. <laughs> All right. So another thing I saw, um, on the Instagrams or the TikToks, I don't know which one it was. They all look alike now. Um, there was this from a, a marketing company and they had this thing that said, um, if you see a Coke machine on a campus and there's one Coke machine, it might do, you know, 50 sales or hundred sales a day. But what would happen if you put a Pepsi machine next to it? Mm-hmm. You know, you'd expect 50, 50 or 60, 40. And then it said, in fact, you'd get a, you'd get a hundred sales per machine. Sales would actually double. And I was like, I was like, that sounds interesting. Yeah. But and then at the end, I'll come back to why they said that because I think they're right. Because mm-hmm. they did say why, but they didn't ever give any proof. Okay, so, so went, let's back up again. I want to. So we start out with one Coke machine, right? Right. And it's getting how much? It's 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 getting 
100 sales a day. 100 sales a day. Okay. Yep. So then we roll in a Pepsi machine next to it, right next to it. And then it's going to get, uh, that's going to make each one get, I mean, so not only are you going to get 100 sales from the Coke, but you're also going to get 100 sales from the Pepsi machine as well. Yeah, if not more. I can't remember exactly what more. the numbers were. Um, but yeah, they were, they were saying that it actually increases sales for both machines if you put two machines together. Interesting. Yeah. Um, even though most people like Coke over Pepsi, right? Yeah. <laughs> what we it, assume. It does need to be, from what I can probably tell, it needs to be competing brands. It can't be the same brand. Like you couldn't put two Coke machines to get the same effect. Okay. So there's well, a Well, that explains a lot. I mean, you know, you see like restaurants open like in the same, you know how that, yes. that goes. They, they always open on the, in the same Home vicinity. Home Lowe's or across the street, <laughs> Walgreens and CVS, yeah. like, right? right. Yeah. So that's actually um, something I mentioned earlier. That's called hoteling's model of spatial competition. Mm -hmm. When stores, when the same kind of stores put the stores on the, you know, opposite corners at an intersection or even kind of the same corner. Yeah. That's called hoteling's model of spatial competition. And the idea is you want to put your store where the most traffic for customers is. Of course. Yeah. Because um, you don't want the customer to have to go out of the way and everybody wants to be in that center location. So, you know, wherever the McDonald's is or, yeah. it, you know, the exception of places like Chick-fil-A, they tend to be a little further off, but, right. but their brand is so strong that they'll still pull. Yeah. Um, but this is a little bit different. Um, the Coke machine thing is a little bit different. It's actually called single option aversion. Okay. So here's, here's the study I found that I think they used to come up with this little story. Cause I couldn't find one about Coke machines and Pepsi machines, but I did find this study from a while back. Uh, find, where is it at? There it is. Um, it's in an article called the paradox of choice. Put this on the screen so you can see it. Um, it says, uh, if you've ever visited the snack aisle in the supermarket, you've probably had the experience to be taken aback when you looked at the options laid out in front of you, cereal aisle, you know, all those kind of things. The more choices you have, the harder it gets to make a decision. However, when you come back down, so that's choice overload, which can lead to decision fatigue, which we'll get into the steps of decision-making, but here's something else. Here's about when you have choices. So they did a study and they split participants into three groups. Each one was offered the, op this is an old study, opportunity to buy a new DVD player. Okay. The first group, so one third was given the chance to buy a Sony DVD player, nothing else. The second group could only buy a Philips DVD player and nothing else. And the third could buy either of the two. Okay. So they had to choose at least one. So when presented with a single choice, the single Coke machine, right? Only nine or 10% of the people bought a DVD player. Hmm. The third group that had the choice between the two, 32% bought. Okay. So that's a three times increase in overall sales. Right. Um, 32 and 34% Sony and Phillips. Mm -hmm. Um, so what it, what that means is people, when they had one choice, and this is what it says at the end of the Instagram video, 
when people have one choice, they have to decide whether or not to buy. Correct. Do I want a Coke or not? Correct. Do I want a drink or not? When there's two options, it's do I want a Coke or a Pepsi? Yes. Right? So it, it goes from buying or not buying to buying one or the other. Yeah. I mean, you got them uh, thinking past the sale already. I mean, there you go. Yeah. They're already yes. thinking past the sale to the which one. Yep, exactly. So this is where I've said before, um, like when you're in a restaurant and the, the waiter comes up and says, would you like dessert? That's a yes or no question. Yeah. It's like, eh, no, I don't want dessert. But if, if the same waiter or server or whatever they're called today. Yeah. I don't want to be canceled again, but <laughs> like whatever they're called today, like if you came up to the table and you said, would you like your dessert here or to go? To go. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Then it's like, oh. Uh, to go. Mm -hmm. And they would sell, according to this, they'd sell two to 300% more. A lot more. Desserts. Yeah, there you go. Because most people aren't going to think, oh yeah, I could just take it to go. Yeah. Yeah. What did, what did, I mean, that's, that's so good. Everyone always asks the question, do we have room for dessert? I mean, like, I mean, yeah. that's just, you know, and that's a terrible question. Think about that. That's a terrible question after you've just eaten a meal. Do you have room for dessert? Well, um, that's no, that's not. Yeah. Most people are going to say no, because you're almost insinuating that, <laughs> Hey, you still yeah. got room in there. I mean, you just finished off a meal. You Especially got room. when somebody just asked for a box for their <laughs> exactly. main meal. Right. Yeah. That's a terrible question. It's like, um, Oh, well, since you're taking half a sandwich home, would you like your dessert <laughs> here to go? Exactly. Absolutely. Would you so like me to put the dessert in the same box? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah. You know, or whatever. Like right. so many other ways you know, you could do that. So the point is here, you want to give people a choice, but not too many choices. Cause check this out. Um, in that same article later on, it said, um, this blew my mind. It, they were talking about, okay, so how many options should you offer? Um, ah, and obviously it depends. Good. It depends on how many market, are too many. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So get this. Where's that stat at? Um, all right. I can't find it, but I, I remember it. Oh, there it is. So check this out. One example of a brand navigating the challenge posed by the decision-making timeline is Procter and Gamble. The brand reduced the number of SKUs for their head and shoulder shampoos from 26. Why do you need 26 versions of head and shoulders? from 26 to 15 and it increased sales by 10%. Wow. Say that 26, again. So they had 26, Procter & Gamble had 26 versions of, of head and shoulders. Okay. Which is too many. Wait, <laughs> yeah. It's like crushed in toothpaste. It's too many. Right. So they reduced to 15, mm -hmm. which I think is still too many. Yeah. But it made the brand, the brand saw in a uh, 10% increase in sales by reducing the, mm -hmm. the number of uh, options. Right. Absolutely. I think there's an old study about jelly and something else when they were doing samples and stuff like three was good, but like 26 was too many, you know, so you got to kind of figure out where, yeah where you want people to have enough that they feel like they have some authority and some power, but not too many that they get decision fatigue. 
Yeah. Yeah. Because they end up doing nothing. You just overload their, their, I mean, they're just like, I don't even know. This is way too much to think about. Yeah. I mean, the fact that Proctor Gamble has 26 versions of head and shoulders is just ridiculous. (laughs) That is absurd. (laughs) I mean, even 15 is too many. I mean, that's just, that's just too many. So, yeah. So that kind of leads us to um, the seven steps or parts of decision-making. And mm-hmm. this kind of, I wasn't looking for this, but it was in this article that I thought it was interesting. Um, so there are seven parts to the decision-making timeline. And as a marketer, you need to kind of know, it's kind of like what we've talked about from Eugene Schwartz with, you know, um, kind of awareness of where they're at in the, in the journey, you know, how aware are they product aware, problem aware, all those kind of things. So here are the seven steps. I'm just going to go through them. We won't break them down too much, but so number one, they first have to identify this decision to be made mm-hmm. and they have to gather the relevant information. Then they had, then they identify alternative options. Then they have to weigh the evidence then they have to make a choice between the alternatives. Then they have to actually take the action and make the purchase. And the seventh one I didn't think of as part of the decision process, but I guess it kind of is, especially on a longer timeline with your, with your brand. The seventh one is reviewing the decision and deciding whether or not you made the right one. Sure. Yeah. Right. So if I'm going to be a repeat customer, this is especially important for you know, e-com brands or, you know, anybody that wants to repeat customer. Mm-hmm. And I never really thought of that before that the decision-making process isn't over once they buy. Yeah. It's actually once they use the product mm-hmm. that their decision-making process ends. Right. That's a big difference Yeah, because then it puts a lot more, you know, we, I think we all tend to put so much effort into promotion and, that and not enough a lot of times into fulfillment. Yeah. Right. Cause everybody wants to get the sale. Yeah. But the re- we've all, we've said, you know, repeat sales are, are where you make your profits and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's, it's retaining retention is, <laughs> yeah. is, is important. Yeah. Big time. So, so yeah, that's the whole, like give people choices and you can increase sales by two, 300%, mm-hmm. um, you know, based on, on the old DVD, study there. Yeah. So how might you apply that to yours? I would say like, I was thinking about this for like a membership site. If I mm-hmm. give people two levels of membership, yeah. now it's not, do I join the membership or not? It's which level do I join? Do I join right. the gold or the silver? Sure. Yeah. So something as simple as that, as simple as that could increase sales by, you know, yep. quite a bit. Yeah. And you see that most, most, most of the, products out there that you're like online if you're if you're choosing a like some kind of digital um product or platform or some type of tool that you're going to be using online you know most companies when you go through the process like if it's online software or whatever it's there's three options it's this one and then you know the the higher end obviously you're you're offering the higher end and then you that a lot of times they'll have the middle one yep and um and, and then, then they usually multiply that because they usually have a monthly and an annual option yep exactly for each level yep. as well so yep. if you have three levels you've actually got six choices right 
So, so your, your brain is busy. Like which choice do I want? Not whether or not I want it. Yeah. And a lot of marketers help to simplify the decision process by saying they'll have something that says most popular, Yeah, (laughs) you know, telling us this is, this is the, this is the most popular. So yeah. And they actually mentioned that in this article, like when you go on Amazon, the Amazon's choice. Yeah. Because you know, when you pull up any item in Amazon, there's like 4,000 options. Right. Like literally 4,000 options. Yeah. It's Amazon recommends or something. What is it? Yeah. And there's two different versions. I think there's an Amazon recommends and then there's an Amazon's choice. Choice. That's right. The choice is the one. I think it's more like their brand or Or sponsored. Um, And and I think sometimes there's a bestseller or something like that. And it typically has, if you, if those Amazon uh, choice typically have, I mean, they do. I mean, it's not like they're endorsing just whatever that, you know, I mean, you look at the reviews, they tend to be higher reviews too. So yeah. they're, they're pretty consistent with the recommendation they give with the quality or at least the experience of the customer that they've had yeah. with that makes product. You, makes you wonder which came first. Exactly. Or the reviews. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like if you could watch the whole timeline. Right, right. I wonder, I wonder which comes first. Yep. So, yeah. well, let's move on to, um, so I thought this one was interesting you know, I just ran across these other studies as I was looking for that main study. But so one thing that I thought was interesting, and I I wonder if this could be applied online as well, because this was mainly talking about, you know, uh, retail stores. Right. Um, So mom and pop stores against big box stores. Okay. And they were actually saying that if, if you, if you position your, your mom and pop store near a big box store, like a lot of people think that would be suicide. Mm Mm-hmm. But actually, it's very, it's actually a, um, a good strategy if you do your marketing right. to play against the fact that you're local and they're a big box store. Mm-hmm. Then you'll actually get more business because there's A, more traffic, and B, there's a little bit more compassion and heart typically for the smaller oh, yeah. business. Absolutely. Yeah. So, do, but do. you have to play it up in your marketing. You can't just expect it to happen. Right. Right. Um, so that, I thought was interesting. Uh, and I wonder if you could kind of artificially create that with like, um, online stuff mm-hmm. where you could say, you know, well, I know you can, you could just, you could just say, Hey, we're a small, you know, brand, we're getting our mm-hmm. start. Right. You know, it's, we know you could go buy a cliff bar, but our little bars, you know, our little nutrition bars, homemade, you know, in our kitchen or whatever you want to say, but like sure. yeah. something like that. Yeah. I think you can, if you position yourself against the big brand, mm-hmm. you're kind of borrowing their credibility because you're putting yourself in the same class. But at the same time, you're tugging on the heartstrings of, Hey, help us out. Absolutely. Local business support, yeah. local, your local community. Right. Yeah. I'd say, um, what was that, man? It's like 20 years ago when I had my handyman business, when I started that mm-hmm. in, there in Knoxville, my first flyer was like, I'm a small, you know, hardworking American kid or guy mm-hmm. just trying to live the American dream, take care of my family. Yeah. Like that's what my flyer said where yeah. everybody else's flyer was like, yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, Cause this is back when we were stuffing fly before Angie's list, we we're stuffing flyers and mailboxes and stuff. Right. So. Absolutely. And that people would comment on that every time I showed up, they'd be yeah. like, yeah, just thought it was nice that you're out there working and, Appreciate you showing up on time. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, 
So yeah, so that's that. That's and then good the last, Yeah. It reminds me, remember Sean, uh, I don't know. I think it's from a Dan Kennedy book with the cartoon with the, um, uh, it's got the big, huge box, you know, the big box store that's doing all these uh, promotions and everything. And then the, like the little small store next door that says enter here. <laughs> yep. This is where Smart. you come in. <laughs> yeah, I like that. So that, that's pretty funny. But um, yeah, no, yeah, I like, agree. Don't be, man. Afraid, like, don't be afraid to play off your competition. That's or, right. Get the all, traffic. That reminded me too of the one where it's like, you know, you, you see the two barbershops across the street. One yeah. says $6 haircuts. And the other one says we fix $6 mm-hmm. haircuts. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's perfect. I love that. It's like, yeah, that's, that's good. <laughs> um, all right. So the last one I had is about, should you praise your competition or not? Hmm. So we've talked a lot of times on this show about the Mac versus PC yeah, and how good that was, but what is the most recent research say? Is that still true? Is it not true? Mm-hmm. What do you think? This is from Harvard business review. Um, I'm going to say it works in your best interest to praise your competition. You are correct. Yeah. So they did a study um, where they took, um, because I'll, I'll give my answer later. I I'm interested here at this because I've used yeah. this in, in the sales world of praising competition, but it, because when you, because it, it does offer the opportunity to differentiate yourself even at yep. the same time of praising your competition. But I, I want to hear what you have to say. Yeah, you're definitely right on the right track. So they did a study where they brought some consumers in and they showed them a fictitious tweet mm-hmm. or an X now or slash. What is, what is it called? X. Now? Is it a slash? Oh, is that know. what they call it? And I have no idea. Expression. An expression. I don't know. Expression. I like that. <laughs> it's good. Um, so anyway, a fictitious tweet in which Kit Kat, this candy bar Kit Kat praised yeah. Twix and said at Twix competitor or not, congrats on your 54 years in business. Even we can admit Twix are delicious. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Then they showed a control group of consumers, a tweet in which Kit Kat said, just referred to its own products, start your day off with a tasty treat. Mm-hmm. So 11 days later, they contacted all the participants and they asked them what kind of candy they had purchased over the last 11 days. Mm-hmm. Those who had been shown the tweet in which Kit Kat praised Twix were 34% more likely to have purchased a Kit Kat than those in the wow. control. Yeah. So hmm. um, they were able to replicate this study across food, ride sharing, accessories, media, technology industries, and consistently found that consumers showed greater interest in buying from brands that praised their competitors. Wow. Um, and largely it was driven by consumers perception of a brand's warmth. Hmm. Yeah. Um, when a brand praised its competitors, consumers reported feeling that the brand was warmer, that is more thoughtful, kind, and trustworthy. Yeah. Not cutthroat. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, yeah. So obviously, you know, this works better for some brands than others. Mm -hmm. Um, let's see, they, um, 
it works better for with for profit than nonprofit mm-hmm. because most people think of not a for profit is a little more ruthless anyway. Of course. So anything they do that is nice has a bigger effect than sure. a nonprofit yeah. might. Yeah. Um, nonprofits are supposed to play nice together. You yeah. know, that's expected. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, um, yeah, 34% more likely. To of course, you know, what would brand. go through my head is that like, I would, you know, what would be, if I saw a tweet like that, what would be, th- what would be going through the back of my head would be like, they're probably owned by the same, <laughs> are they owned by, they're all owned by Mars or whatever, or Hershey yeah. or, you know, so ultimately they're not, you know, they're not, you know, they're just kind of directing towards another market share within that company, or I guess, I don't know, but, yeah. um, yeah, that'd be my I, first you, thought. You know. You and I are in sales and marketing, so we think like that. Not most consumers don't think like that. Yeah, of course, of course. So, you know, I, I mean, definitely more people are skeptical than ever before. Sure. Which is another reason this works is because most because skepticism is getting higher, mm-hmm. and device divisiveness is getting higher. So yeah. people, it really stands out when you are right. nice to your competitors. Yeah. Well, that's a lesson I've always thought, even, you know, in the world of sales is never denigrate your competition. Um, There's always something good that you can say about them. So I've always found ways to, um, if I knew a pro, you know, a customer or a potential client was using this particular brand to say, not to praise them, the key is not to praise them wholly like to say they're just an amazing company, but to praise them in one area, right? Right. They yep. do this really well, you know, but never yeah, to say, you don't want to go crazy and be like, <laughs> yeah, you don't want to gush. You don't just gush about them, but you want to say, you know what you're at, you know, in this area, they are fantastic. They do a, just an amazing job, but that gives you so, and that obviously lays the foundation to say, but here's where we, you know, here's where I think that you're, you know, you could look elsewhere or not necessarily elsewhere, but here's where maybe this is, this is an area that could, could benefit you even greater, you know, um, without denigrating your competition to say they may be lacking in, in other areas. They're good at here, but, you know, maybe not. And here. especially in a sales role, like you're in Jonathan, like people, people will test you. Absolutely. Right? Your, buyer, your buyer's agents, they will test you and be like, Hey, what do you think about X, Y, Z? Just to see yeah. if you're going to talk bad about them or to see what you have to say about them. Yeah. And you got to be ready for that and be like, Oh, I think they make a great, you know, ABC oh, yeah. widget, but man, you know, I actually have a, um, I don't know who does this. This is kind of a geeky thing to do, but for the longest time I had this, like this composition book of just, and I would have it, you know, you've seen these, uh, these, uh, these, uh, composition books, the, like the bind or the, um, spiral bound composition books. And they've got the dividers in there. Yeah. And in each section of the composition book, I would, you know, each section would be a competitor section and I would just have notes of all about the competitors, like, you know, learning about the competition. Cause I mean, it's one thing to know your, you know, the areas you're strong Right. But also understanding who your competition is. So I have like notes. I just make like sections for notes on yeah, you know, competitors and just knowing and about when, them. And yeah, when you're in sales, people are going to tell you about what else they're looking at. Oh, absolutely. Why they like it. That's right. And then you would have, you know, I'd have a list of things that like, 
oh, they do an amazing job at this. And I respect them for this, but, but, you know, and which I did, you know, in a lot of areas, but I also knew weak spots, you know, I'm going back to knowing your, uh, knowing your competition strengths and their weaknesses. And so you start with their strengths and then you, um, you accentuate those and then you, you say, well, they're good at this, but you know, here's a vulnerability that you may not have thought about. Um, so I think the other thing it does, um, and I didn't see this in the, in the report here, but I think the other thing it does is it, it makes people feel like you're very confident. If you're willing to praise someone else, your competition. Absolutely. There's yeah. a, there's a confidence there that is very, very attractive. Very true. Very true. I think that that is a, a very good quality of any person. And, and they will think that you're, if you praise your competition, they will know that you're definitely secure in who, you know, in, in what you represent. Um, yeah. But if you start denigrating or if you start talking down your competition, then you look very weak. Yep. Uh, your position is very weak because they, you, I think you look, um, you look like you're desperate to uh, tear down anyone you can to get the business. And that's, that's a bad, very bad look. Yep, for sure. So, yeah, so that's all I got, man, for this episode. Um, that was good. Great points. Yeah. Great topics. Some good stuff there. You can, uh, apply for, you know, if you're online for the black Friday coming up and absolutely. Yeah. And speak, I will add this. Is it just me or has black Friday emails and sales been coming a lot earlier this year? Well, everything's coming earlier. I mean, Christmas yeah. is coming earlier. I see Christmas ads now. I mean, already. It's Christmas, like, I mean, are we in November? <laughs> are we we're in early, we're we're in first early November? Of, are we not? First third of November still. I, I see Christmas ads already. I see Christmas I trees. I see Santas uh, already on the TV screen, and that is way too early. I agree. Uh, I'm getting into my own household. My wife wants to put up a Christmas tree already. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We have a firm. <laughs> we have a firm rule in this house that the Christmas tree does not go up until Thanksgiving night or the day after. The day after Thanksgiving, absolutely. Yeah. It's like, but there are people putting pressure on me. I'm telling you, the pressure's coming. It's early this year, so don't give in. <laughs> not giving in. I think I'm not giving in. It's like the twenty second or third this year. That's so, right. Yeah, but early. It's like I'm, I'm, like, we're gonna have a lot of Christmas. There's a lot of Christmas going to be going on. For a whole month and a half. By the time it gets here, more, like, <laughs> we don't need yeah. to extend it. Yeah. Um, what's that? What's that law? Um, <laughs> the one that work expands to fill the time allowed. <laughs> yes. I feel like Christmas feels expands to fill the time allowed yes. as well. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. Exactly. I, I can see that. Yeah. I, yeah. I was scrolling through TikTok last night. And this lady's doing this live and her whole house behind her is decorated for Christmas. I'm like, no. Like, Hold up. What did you do? Like, <laughs> like, the after Halloween, like put right. your Christmas tree on? Yeah. It's just yeah. too much too soon. Yeah, absolutely. And if you don't like that, please unsubscribe. <laughs> <laughs> You're not yeah, we're, we're not Grinches by any means. We love Christmas. Love Christmas. Yeah. But, uh, just man, just let, let some things, let some things play out, man. Let some <laughs> things play out. We, that's all we're asking, you know? Yeah. We gotta have, I mean, get your Black Friday sales or whatever. Like, yeah. 
I've seen some good memes too on Black Friday. Um, it's like um, my favorite so far has been, hey, uh, I think it, retailers or whatever. It's like everybody's got a big screen TV. Let's how about some sales on groceries? <laughs> I'm like, yep. That's great. I love that. That's where we're at. Are we still, did people still do a black? I mean, is there a little, I, I guess people from a traditional standpoint, they'll still do the black Friday thing the day after Thanksgiving, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, think I feel like that's less and less. That's less of a thing. Yeah, more, I think more people are sitting in their PJs and doing it on their laptop or exactly. their phone. Yeah. You know, um, and that's why we're getting emails so early because everybody's trying to get in the email email box early you know yeah. I'm, i mean i've i've gotten a lot of i mean some people are already just offering their black friday deal yes some people are doing hot lists right an email um i guess several brands that i have they've already launched their black friday deal i'm like wow i mean that's just <laughs> i mean i i get i mean i guess the theory getting is ahead, people, you know they're getting ahead of everybody else yeah. i guess so well, the average consumer has $800 to spend between sure. now and Christmas. Yeah. Right. I guess you gotta be first in line to get that. Yep. So that's what yeah. they're trying to do. So yeah, it's uh, but yeah, it's, it's a little early for me, but, um, I like brands that just don't even do black Friday. Uh, there's something I do too. Cool about that. That's why I've always been, we've always been Apple lovers. You know, they don't do any kind of, uh, promotions. There's no special deals. It's Very like, literally. uh, this is five grand. Yeah. <laughs> you'll need to buy Do you want to finance it or what? Yeah. <laughs> Here's three accessories you'll need to make it work. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yep. Exactly. You're 99 bucks a piece. So. <laughs> but hey, and we just keep coming not, back, right, mine. Sean? We just keep going back to the to the trough. We just beat, yeah. you know, they abuse us and then we come right back. Well, I got this MacBook Air a couple months ago and yeah. I love it. Like just it's a beautiful, beautiful machine. I, I tell you, there's this, I think it's gorgeous. I'm running an extra monitor on it. I'm using it as my desktop, running an extra monitor. Yeah. And I can unplug it and it will last all day. Mm. It's Crazy. Just, see, I mean, that's, you just can't, there's, and it's, you just can't crying. compare, you know, unfortunately, yeah. I, you know, it's just, that's why we keep coming back and spending the money. It's just because it's, it's just, well, they do last a pretty good while. They I mean, do. I got, I got, I tell you, I, years I, you know, I've got a MacBook Pro. Uh, one of the, I think this one was from last year. Uh, so it's been a recent one, but that thing's, it's a workhorse. It's just, yeah. I mean, the thing is just, just a workhorse for the amount of computing editing power that I put it through from podcast and doing all the stuff that I did last week with several, you know, back to back to back podcasts and just like, on the spot doing video, you know, little video, I, you know, I do the uh, screen flow with the, with the MacBook on some of those videos, those streaming yeah. videos, making some cuts. Cause people say things during those live interviews that they don't need to say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, you know, next day, like clip, 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 you know, upload, you know, I, I mean this thing, hey, but you know, Mac, MacBook, Apple is just incredible. Yeah. Performance power is amazing. Yep. Yeah. I'm sure there's some PC users yelling at us right now, but <laughs> on their Android phones. <laughs> it's like, um, I saw this video clip the other, I think it was yesterday where it's like, somebody's like, um, it's from, you know, I don't know what it's from. It's from some TV show, but the guy, the person she's bringing in her broken, her messed up iPhone. <laughs> and, um, 
she brings it in and she's like, the guy's like, okay, uh, what do you use it for? She goes, I, I just use it for, uh, Facebook and texting. And she, and the guy's like, you literally have a machine in the palm of your hand. That's more powerful than the computer that put the man on the moon. And that's what you use it for. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh yeah. man. Pretty much uh, all I use mine for. Yeah. Well, <laughs> maps and stuff like that, but yeah. you know, so yeah, it's pretty amazing that I don't get any, anywhere near the power out of it that I could for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I know some guys that, man, they do their whole business on their phone. Like yeah. Pretty much. Guys in their thirties. Yeah. I mean, they can run their whole business off yeah. their phone. I just, I can't do that. But the so, air, I mean, those things I've had an air in the past. I love them. They're lightweight. Uh, yeah. Great for just what, you know, what you need to do, which is, yeah. you know, pretty much the basics. Yep. It works for me. So, yep. All right. Well, I guess that's a, that's a wrap. That's, that's a wrap. Episode. So to all of our listeners, uh, thank you for joining us and, uh, you know, don't, um, um, yeah. Oh, there, there you go. We got there. Uh, persuasion by the pint.com forward slash craft beer for the, was that craft beer club? Yeah. Cause we're so good about our sponsor there. <laughs> <coughs> Yeah, get the best beer from around the country delivered to your doorstep. Persuasion by the tank by the pint.com forward slash craft beer. There we go. See, we're All so right. good at that. Uh that's a great gift too. Speaking of holiday gifts and Black Friday, yes. they might have a Black Friday sale, Sean. I don't know. They might. Who cares? Might. We need to check that. <laughs> Just go buy their beer. Who cares? <laughs> Yeah. Anything else, Sean, before we wrap up? Oh, I was just seeing if they were still in business. <laughs> <laughs> they are. That's great. We're glad. <laughs> we we try we we like to check that out before you go there. But yes, they are still in business. So crap persuasion by the pint.com forward slash craft beer to get your deal on an assortment of craft beers. You can go monthly, you can go um Long term, if you want to get a subscription, 12 months, there you go, three months, six months, 12 months. Yeah, they're having an early bird sale <coughs> now until November 17th. There you go. So, so take advantage. And um, you hear, heard it here, craft beer, persuasionbythepint.com forward slash craft beer. All right, to all of our listeners, you can find us at persuasionbythepint.com. You can find us on all of your podcast platforms, Stitcher Radio, iHeart, Spotify, you name it. Uh, go there, leave us five stars, increase our, uh, our, you know, push us to the top. You know, we've got, we're number two by some standards in uh, persuasion podcast. We'd like you to push us to number one. So, um, we thank you for that and we'll see you next time. See ya. <laughs> <laughs>